Welcome to the CoLab, the only podcast for business owners who are committed to growth through the power of collaboration and teamwork. Get ready to put your heads together to boost your business to the next level with your hosts, the ultimate team players, Megan Marsh and Andre Munar. Welcome back, collaborators, to another episode. I am joined here by my co-host, Megan Marsh, and I am Andre Munar. Today, we're going to go deep into a topic that nobody likes to talk about, even myself, you know, (laughs) the money, the moolah, about paying yourself as a business owner. And I feel like it's a pretty taboo subject, you know, like, um, there's even been times where I've been afraid to, like, to ask people to pay me back even the money that I've lent them. Like, I don't know why money is such a taboo topic, but we're definitely going to get into it because we are definitely going to business for profit, not a nonprofit. So um, today we're going to dig deep into, as a business owner, the ways that you can pay yourself. Um, There's going to be no fluff and no fillers today. We want to be honest with you. We want you to know what you're getting yourself into. Um, And we're going to talk about the secrets that nobody really wants to talk about. I also think that there's a lot of confusion business owners don't even know about, especially when I first started, and I'm sure Megan, you were the same way, an LLC, an S Corp, like, what is that? What does that mean? Because I know an accountant asked me and I was like, well, you know, like, how should I be paying myself? Like, what is the best way I could save taxes? Is there even a right answer to this? Is there a wrong answer to this that I'm going to go to jail for if I I say something (laughs) wrong, you know? And so why we're qualified to talk about this topic, we feel, is because now for over a decade, we've been business owners and we've been paying ourselves and we've been building a strong business. And sometimes, again, no fluff, no filters. You have to delay that gratification. And and what does that look like? And putting others first and always doing the right thing. Like I said, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're trying to skirt, you know, certain things. So you always want to make sure that you're doing the right thing. But Megan, we've also made a lot of mistakes along the way and how to how to pay ourselves out right too many mistakes actually (laughs) too many which is why we wanted to do this this episode and you know i just wanted to share like i normally you know me i'm always looking up information and statistics (laughs) you know i looked up like in the u.s what's the average income of a business owner right or the median, which it can be different, just so everyone knows. And, you know, I don't think there is a 100% correct or accurate answer. But the two numbers that popped up more than once was that, you know, the average or the median is between 59,000 and 73,000, which, wow, I don't know about you, but not at all (laughs) what I went into business to pay myself. No. And now, Obviously, every industry and company size will be different. But the point is that making a lot of money owning a business is not as easy as we all think. You know, I think, though, if you can learn some best practices, you know, learn how to be responsible, educate yourself on this area, you know, I think you will realize success faster. And part of that is what you just talked about before, which is the delaying gratification, uh, you know, but for how long, you know, that's something we'll talk about today. And, you know, that's why today's episode, that's why we're going to be talking about the right and the wrong ways to pay yourself as a business owner. 
uh, because it's not just about the numbers. You know, there's some other things that you need to factor in. Um, and we will cover, like you said, the types of businesses you run, you know, that affects how you set up pay. So you don't get in trouble and get penalties and then the various ways to pay yourself. And we're also going to just cover some challenges that we see people who own businesses making. Uh, and before we dig into the main categories of paying yourself, you know, we wanted to share just a little bit about our own personal stories. You know, when it comes to paying ourselves as business owners, Andre and I have been blessed as professionals to get into a line of work that can be extremely lucrative. You know, both of us were making six figures before we turned 30 and before we opened our own businesses. And so therefore, you know, if you're in that situation and you get that bug of, ooh, you know, I'm, I'm making good money or <laughs> you never thought you'd make that much by the time you turn 30, when you go off on your own, which for Andre, that was a choice for me, I got booted out the door. <laughs> Maguire <you>, style. <laughs> yes, Maguire style. But you assume, okay, like if I made that much when I was working as an employee, you'd be rolling in the dough, uh. right? The grass is always greener on the other side, right? <laughs> and it did not happen for a very long time. I think that's really a reality. And it's part of why businesses, you know, like the statistics on how long it takes in businesses that go out of business within five years. And for honestly, a very long time, we made we made more as employees that were salespeople than being owners for the first, you know, five, six, seven, eight years. Yeah. And that's and hard. And I think a lot of people really have that assumption that you're going to go off on your own and you're going to be rolling in the dough, right? And sometimes as you open up a business, you have to realize that at some point you have to make sacrifices and you have to kind of be the one that takes a step back and you just hope that it'll all be worth it, right? And I'm really glad that that we're really like-minded because we kind of understood that a little bit, right? We understood that we had to put people first, right? We had to have managers in place. We mm -hmm. had to have marketing in place. And that costs money. And that that return on investment costs time. So there, those are sacrifices that we went through. And I remember there were periods of time where all we were doing is barely taking a paycheck, right? We weren't taking any profit because we were pouring it back into the company. And one other thing that I really liked that we did, and I know you and I have talked about it, is that our company doesn't really have debt. You know, because a lot right. of companies will borrow, you know, millions of dollars to start a business. Uh, and that can be a choice that you make, sure. But, you know, one thing that we, we may have borrowed some money here and there where we had to restart our brokerage because, well, we were broke. But, you know, we didn't take out loans, which, you know, that meant then we just didn't take a paycheck. We sacrificed that. And in the end, we have rules of engagement and understanding, you know, how we're to behave and how we're to treat each other and how understanding that there's an end game and that there's a much bigger vision to all of this. So when it comes to owning a business, there's a price to pay, you know, and I know that we've been talking a lot about what is that price to pay? So there's really three types of people and three types of teams. And there's those who don't realize the price of success and therefore they just never really get there, right? They don't, mm -hmm. they just don't understand it really. Let's be honest. Um, and that's okay. Some people just aren't, aren't meant to understand it. They're meant to be that, that middle ground busy bee. Um, there's those who know the price, but are not willing to pay it and therefore never get there. Right. So they see people doing it. They talk about it, but then they never take any action to do it, but they know 
they know what it takes, but they just don't. Um, and then there's those who pay the price and they keep paying the price and eventually get there. You know, I feel, you know, that we are definitely those types of people. We, we keep paying the price. <laughs> keep paying the price. And I feel like we're finally getting there. For sure. For sure. Um, but no one can force a team member to have the will to succeed. You know, they always say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. And that's so true. But I've heard um, you can put salt in their oats. Ooh, bada boom. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I like that one too. Uh, I think it's uh, up to each person to decide in their own heart and what they really want their fate to be and what they want their goal and how hard they're willing to pay that price. We try to build a culture that embodies that. And, you know, I think our vision and our mission outlines that like, this is what we're looking for. This is what we want. Like either you're in or you're not. And if you're not going to follow that, then you know, that's okay. It's just not where we are headed as a company, or it's not the type of team that we want to bring on. So uh, Meg and I had written a goal earlier this year, and I wanted to share that with you. It's uh, what we like to call our big, hairy, audacious goal. And it is to build a multifaceted business that can support our team, loan officers and leaders through any market and external variables. This goal puts us in control and never relying on one source of income. This goal will help our entire team increase their income and financial stability and not just a 3% increase, but growth in accordance to how they work and how they help others and the, the business's overall mission. The more we grow, the more they grow and continue to change the financial foundation for their family and children. We are on a mission to build a business that our children would want to join and thrive within a business that is not dependent on any one person or leader, but rather the group of us together, and we are well on our way. And I love that. It's I so love true. that too. And that's not our mission or our vision. It's just like the goal that we had, like how what we wanted the people on our teams to to feel like. And you know, and that means that we lead the way with that. You know, there's an episode on being transparent, and you know, this episode, and these are all the things that it just matters, right? It matters. And so, and real quick, that, that might, like, we were kind of building a business, uh, like a side business is slowly, but, you know, COVID really sped that up for us when we were like, this is where all our eggs are, are in this basket because we have no other revenue coming in. And so that really kind of, now we're a little stressed out because we have so many things on our plate and we're like, we got to go, go, go. <laughs> you know, like, let's be honest that, you know, COVID really was like that smack dab for us that was like, oh, shit, if we don't have any other revenue coming in, like what? Like it was what? a goal, but we didn't move fast enough. We'd mm -hmm. started laying the foundation. And, you know, guys, this has nothing to do with revenue. I just want to say that, too. Like mm -hmm. we made good revenue back, you know, in 2016 and 2017, but we didn't make the profit and we didn't we weren't able to pay our people like we are today you know that's where as we go through kind of the key points i think we have four main key points we're gonna walk through just as things to consider because none of these are concrete they all are flowing but you've got to consider all of them you know let's dig into those main areas that we're going to talk about so that you can understand more about paying yourself as a business owner uh, so the first area is probably the most boring but, you know, it's important to understand, like Andre said, which is the type of business that you are matters with how you pay yourself. And the reason I know so much about this is because my husband and I have 
every different <laughs> type of business. We have like 12 tax returns and I get everything together for our accountants. So I know where everything flows from and every type of income matches a bank account we have because it was something I was educated on through, you know, my degree was in accounting and I see a lot of mistakes in these areas that would really help a lot of people. And so I encourage all of you, no matter what type of business you have, to really lean into finding someone who will help you teach you the right ways to do things. You know, the the main three areas are you've got all of you who are sole proprietors, freelancers. Uh, that's like your, you know, if you're a writer, if you're a real estate agent, you know, it's you get a check. You get a 1099 at the end of the year and you get checks when you do work. Uh, you're a sole proprietor. If you run a business like this, it's pretty straightforward because it's only you. Mm-hmm. So when you get those checks, you deposit that check, you know, into your account and it's technically all yours. What I caution you to do though is to truly treat it like a business. I see a lot of sole proprietors take their checks and put it into their one checking account where they pay all their bills. They everything. They pay their credit cards there. They do their personal stuff. Mm-hmm. If you're a sole proprietor and you get these checks, set up a separate account. Set up an account that is, you know, let's just use the real realtor example. If you're Jane Doe Realtor, have a Jane Doe Realtor business checking account that you put every one of those checks into. So it's very clean. Mm-hmm. And then run your bank account like a business so that you're transferring to your personal account what's yours to use for personal. The other benefit to doing it that way if you're a sole proprietor is that if you go to apply for loans and you have that separate account, there's actually, you can qualify for a lot more. And that's when I, when I see this. But so sole proprietors, you get that check. You don't have to treat your money different, but I'm just highly recommending you do. And it's also easier to keep track of your expenses Versus if you put it in your personal checking, you're like, okay, was that a business expense or was that a personal expense? Right. Right. Because in my husband, that's part one of the businesses he has. He'll go get pizza at his favorite pizza place, but he'll buy 10 pizzas or (laughs) five for clients, one or two for like, it's just so much easier when it comes out of the one account and that's where it's paid from. Yeah. And then the second one is um, partnerships. That which a partnership can be an LLC. So partnerships, that means there's more than one person. So it would be like if Andre and I are not a partnership. Yes, we're partners, but we're not a partnership in how we file. This is all about how you file your taxes. Partnerships are different in that you don't go on payroll. So if you are to take some type of a salary for something you do for the business, it's classified or called a guaranteed payment. And it's a It'd be like if we were paying ourselves a thousand dollars a week as partners. It, it, it's not W2. We just get that check and no taxes are taken out. And then when your accountant does your taxes, that, you know, that would be 52,000 each would get deducted from the business's profit. And you still have at the bottom a profit amount that you can also pull from. So you can take guaranteed payments like a salary. And then at the end, your profit is what's called distributions, which is what you're also taxed on. And not all partners have to take guaranteed payments, just so you know that. Um, you know, a partnership my husband is in, he receives guaranteed payments because he does operational work. But the partners who are in sales, 
they're sole proprietors in their sale business. It's really interesting seeing all these different ways you should have different mm-hmm. accounts for these things. And then the last one that the most common ones are then the S Corp, which is what our main business is. And an S Corp, which is an LLC, a limited liability company that's taxed as an S, taxed as an S Corp means that you as the owner have to pick and pay yourself a reasonable wage of what someone who has a position like you is getting compensated. That means you're paid a W-2. So you have a salary, it gets taxed, it gets submitted through payroll like everybody else is in your company. And then at the end of the year, or you can look at it each quarter, and then you also have profit. So let's say Andre and I had W-2s. Let's say, you know, mine was 50 and he was making, because of the activities he was doing, he's making 60,000. That's his W-2. And then let's say at the end of the year, our profit on our business tax return said 100,000. If we're 50-50 partners, that means we each are going to get taxed on $50,000. And then we have to decide of that 50 what we take. And that's what we're going to keep getting into here is, okay, how much of that 50 do you take? Or what do you set that salary for yourself? And That's always a good topic because most people are just going to pull that 50. Right, right, <laughs> right. And that that's what we're going to really dig into here because it's not even just the the first part is what do I pay myself? There's some best practices we're going to walk through, but then how much of it should you take? And it really depends on what you want to do with your business and how you want it to grow and, and evolve. Yeah. And also how you want to pay yourself, which there's definitely a few ways to pay yourself. Um, you can obviously do it through payroll, right? Which would mean that you W2 yourself, your taxes come out of that you know, federal taxes, all of that stuff. So you can either choose to pay yourself salary or hourly, depending on your business, how it's done. I, you know, every business is obviously going to be different. Megan and I pay ourselves a salary, but maybe your business is more hourly. And then again, depending on your business, maybe you pay yourself bonuses or commissions, depending on how you want to structure that, you know, whether you have business partners or maybe you do you know, some, some sales. So you pay yourself commissions on, on the sales that you do. Or if you hit a certain tier, maybe you pay yourself bonuses. Those are all things that you'll need to decide. And as Megan was kind of talking about in the S Corp, there's distribution checks, which are basically profit checks. And you can look at those yearly or quarterly, but those would be the, the revenue, the revenue above and beyond your W-2. So if your total revenue, you know, was 200 and you paid yourself 50 of that. And at the end of the day, again, you had 50 left of profit. Then there's 50 left there. We'll go into, you know, how you should split that. But again, there's 50 left, but you still have to pay some things. And to be honest with you, one of my favorite reasons for being a business owner is the non-monetary pay, right? Because you don't, you don't pay taxes on those things per se. So things like cars, cell phone, travel, you know, your office expenses, your, the furniture, your computers, your stuff like that. I don't think people realize how big of a benefit that is and how mm -hmm. much of a compensation that can be. You know, we did some math around if someone in our industry produces the same amount and it's unbelievable. I mean, it is so much money when you have to pay for things after taxes versus before taxes in your business because it's truly a business expense. You know, so, so sometimes people ask us, especially in this industry, well, how much did you make? And that's really hard sometimes for us to say like, well, I made this much because 
I include my car in, in the business. I include my cell phone. I include some business trips. You know, I include some dinners with clients. So it's hard for me to say, well, this is what I made because, well, my W-2 doesn't reflect completely what I made, but it's definitely one of the benefits that I love to being a business owner. Mm-hmm. And so I think this next example in the, in the third point, and one thing, you know what, before I move on to the third point, which we're, I'm going to break down one of those examples a little in more detail. We're an S corp, like I said, and I have been in a partnership in another mortgage company before Andre and I, and we were also an S corp. But, you know, Andre and I have a unique relationship in that we are very equally yoked in the positions that we now take where we're leading teams who are selling. So we're 50 50 partners and we're producing, you know, around the same amount of business or we're, you know, it, do- it doesn't even matter. Before that, I had a partner who I was 50 50 partner with and I was producing and working three times as much. So meaning, which is okay, right? If you're listening and you have someone who worked 20%, you know, who's bringing in 25% of the revenue and you're bringing in 75% and that's a choice that you guys make. Hmm. That gets really sticky and we need to have clarity because, and that's where really digging into what payroll should be versus distribution checks. Because if you're both making, you know, either than one person's salary, the person who's working 75% of the time needs to have a higher salary or get paid bonuses or commissions. It has to go through payroll because your distribution of the profit is equal. It has to be equal. And so you have to figure out then how the person who's working more or harder or different, if that's how you're going to do it, it has to go through payroll. And then the end result is the the net profit in the distribution. So let's kind of walk through an example for point number three, which is, you know, how much do you pay yourself? And like, like we've kind of been talking about, there is no right or wrong here. Um, and it's difficult. It's a difficult decision. It's difficult with self-control. When you, you know, but a lot of people, what I see is they'll look at their business bank account. They'll see that there's, you know, 105,000 in there in the account. And most of us would assume it's completely acceptable. Say you find a house that you want to buy that you want to put 20% down or whatever. And you're like, I'm going to write myself a check and write myself a check for 50,000. There's over a hundred in there. That I think is where a lot of people go wrong because you're going to screw up your cash flow. You're not factoring everything in. And so really having somebody teach you, okay, how do I look at what I can take each month and really setting some rules and standards? So what the things that we look at and what I like to look at is, all right, try to set a salary. I don't care if you're a sole proprietor, set an amount based on what your business is doing, based on what your role is, set yourself a base. Even if you're a sole proprietor and it's a distribution to yourself or, you know, a, but but set an amount. Um, you also have to look at, are your people being fairly compensated? Because Andre talked about how being a business owner and having a team that understands, especially with startups, everyone makes sacrifices in the beginning. Because I know that the people on our team could have, probably gone somewhere else and made more money the first few years we were in business. And so it was our job once we started getting to a different place to give everyone raises and not that 3% raise, but hey, a raise based on what we're now producing. And for mm-hmm. some people that might have been a 20, 30, 40% raise. 
And and it's like, it, it's just, you need to always take care of your people, still take care of yourself, but also take care of your people and make sure it's fair. And that, you know, you're, and we've been fortunate to have people like that who understood that. Um, and so, and then you need to also make sure you're considering all things when determining the pay. So let's use an example that in, you know, if let's say you're going to look at monthly what you're making as a business and you, and you have a salary, right? So let's say you have a salary of five. It could be 10000 right? And let's say after paying your salary, after paying all your people, after paying all your expenses, you have net income. Bottom line, the company made $50,000. So if you made $50,000, which probably means your bank account's higher than that because there's always stuff coming and going. But if you made that 50, that 50 is not for you to take. You can't <laughs> write yourself a $50,000 check. You can't? No. Does some, Uncle Sam want a piece of that? <laughs> yes, Uncle Sam definitely wants a piece of that. So, you know, it's kind of like a little formula. So if you if you had net income of 50000 you are going to get taxed on that. Mm-hmm. So just to make it easy, let's say it's 50 and you're a sole proprietor and you know you're getting taxed at a rate of, you know, 32%, you need to set aside 30% of that 50000 So what Ouch. we do, yeah, it hurts. We have a separate account that we transfer money into based on what our net income is. So that's one of the Mm -hmm. first things we do. And we actually put more than that because our tax brackets are even moving. So 50,000, that means we'd be transferring $15,000 at the end of the month. So now that 50 is now 35,000. Then the next thing you need to take out of that 50,000 for what you're looking at is debt payments. So in, you might not know this, but you're, your income statement does not deduct debt payments. That means if you have a car loan, if you have a loan to someone who lent you money, it doesn't come, anything that goes on your balance sheet doesn't come off your income statement. And this is where your cash flow can be off. So say you, I don't know, let's say for the business, you bought a car for $5,000 even, you didn't even do a payment. That's not going to go on your income statement. So that already came out of your account, even though you're getting taxed. So now your 35 is down to 30,000. Then kind of the last of the main ones, and there's a lot more, but we're just using main ones. Do you want to, do you want to have savings in case something happens? Yeah, you definitely need that. <laughs> so I would say 10% maybe of your net income, which would be another $5,000 on that 50, put in yeah. your savings account because you're going to have to buy computers again. You're going to have to do all that stuff. So now that 50,000 was reduced by the 15, 15 in taxes, by the five for the car you bought, for the 5,000 that goes into savings. So now you're down to 20,000 left that you can decide how much of that 20, you could take the whole 20. If it's just you, if it was Andre and I, and those were our numbers, we would either each take 10 or we could each take five, but it has to be equal amounts. And that would be our distribution over our salary that we're paying ourselves. Amazing how fast that 50k goes, right? People yeah. always, I think a lot of people see that profit, but there's expenses to pay and, and not just that, but like you said, savings for a rainy day, um, you know, any taxes that you have to pay. So, you know, for all of the listeners out there, when, when you're thinking about starting a business or maybe you work for a business currently and you're like, Oh, my owner is making so much like, 
you know, think about the things that they have to do and the things that they have to pay and the taxes they have to pay and, and the savings for a rainy day in case something happens to that business. And they want to be able to keep you employed maybe for, you know, two or three months during those rainy months. So, um, don't just look at it as, as this big, you know, 50 K paycheck because that is not what it is. Yeah. And I recommend doing it quarterly. You know, that's one of the best ways because mm-hmm. you're kind of averaging three months in case one month you lose money. And then, you, you know, every three months is a great way to to look at your distributions. And so then the last like key area that Andre and I will both talk about some of these items is some of the challenges, right? Or mistakes in paying yourself as a business owner, some that we've made um, that we see other people make or heard other people ask questions. And, you know, these are more general than how much do you pay yourself. But I think, I think the first one for me that always kind of sticks out is you're ma- okay. Let's say you're making more, but you're killing yourself. You've given yourself another job that you're doing everything. It's like, are you really making more? Are you really yeah. making more? If you left a job making 50, 60,000 and now you're making 80, 90, but you're working instead of 40 hours, you're working 70 hours a week. And sometimes that's where go back then to our, you know, outsourcing. You need to find the right people and make sure you're also having quality of life. And then the business partner thing, that was a hard thing for me. And I've seen that in different businesses is, you know, what does each person, what does each partner pay and get compensated? I've met other business partners who've come up and asked me what Andre and I do because if one partner, if you're in a business that it relies on sales, which is a lot of businesses, you know, that's financial advisors, attorneys, like what client work, what's coming in. And Andre and I had to really kind of start looking at things at some point. We both were are very strong at sales. You know, I've had years that I sold more than him. He's had years where he sold more than me. But at some point, we had to start making decisions on like, are we going to be the CEOs of this company and grow it so everyone can make more? Otherwise, we're all going to be stagnant and nobody's going to make more. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we both have taken the CEO role. I've probably done a little more of the back office stuff, like writing our manuals or you know doing stuff like that. And it's hard for me sometimes because my value has always lied in the revenue I brought in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not closing as much because of that. But we had to have those conversations up front. And it wouldn't be fair for me to take that back seat and for Andre to then be like, well, I'm bringing in more than you. So I'm going to I'm going to take. Hey, and I think that does happen in other businesses. And that's where partnerships can fall apart. Mm-hmm. It's usually the whole money conversation. Well, I'm bringing in more so I should get more. And that's really where we see business partnerships fall, fall apart. And you and I have very frankly had those conversations where I've been like, you know, I appreciate what you do. And you're like, you know, you keep doing what you're doing. And um, I think that works for both of us. So having the right partnership definitely works. I also remember that when when we became business partners, you were like, that's fine, but I need control of the bank account. It stays up here. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, like (laughs) I have nothing to hide. Go ahead. Like you can can have it up there. Because I did not have that, that type of partnership when before I met you, you know, I had a partnership where I was working harder. I was bringing in more and we weren't equally yoked, which would have been totally fine. Right. Mm-hmm. Would have been totally fine if we could have come up with a, a, a way and a system to do things. And instead, 
you know, if you have somebody who wants to take more checks than we should out of the company, it just be, it becomes <laughs> this tension, right? Yeah. So I've been so thankful for us having the open. Now I don't really want to handle the finances as much. And we have people who are helping us do that, but we've got checks and balances around it. And then qualifying for loans can be challenging. I mean, we lend money. We help people lend money. And we went to our bank that we do our banking with who we, we like them. And our business is bringing in millions. Mm. And we only have a yeah. line of credit for 50000 and they don't really want to do more. And we're like, huh. and we don't really need it. We want to have it for a rainy day. Getting loans can be really hard um, when you're self-employed. And it's one of the reasons why getting like really wrapping your head around this stuff is important. And then working with somebody who knows businesses like, you know, like I do, for example, as a lender, because most loan officers, if they're not self-employed themselves, they're not going to know how to navigate all this stuff. And then another challenge, and I've dealt with this one, is being taxed on income you never took. So like I said, let's say Andre and I in a year made the business made, you know, $300,000. Well, that's 90,000 in taxes, but let's say we only took distributions each of, I don't know, maybe 60 to 80,000 each. You're still paying taxes on what the company's profit is unless you buy some cars and do some write-offs, mm -hmm. but then you're not going to have the money. So it's like this double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, and even with our savings, like we're, you know, we're, we, we decide to put a certain amount aside, which is a big chunk, a, a big chunk. And Megan and I aren't taking that, but we're paying a huge amount on taxes on that. Right. Like, and we're working on ways to help eliminate and reduce that. And, you know, it's something we're constantly learning too, but we know we need to learn it because the more we can keep in the company, the more that we can pay our people, pay ourselves. And, you know, we're at a point, it's been 50 years. And I say this a lot because it gets really hard around, like Andre said, we try to be really transparent. And truthfully, we pretty much compensate ourselves about the same as what like our leadership team, how they compensate themselves. But we're also at a point where over the last seven or eight years, there have been times I've for a whole year had to stop putting money into my kids college education where I haven't put into 401k because I had to live off of what we were taking. Like it's also oh time for us to start earning some income to make up for all these years that we weren't able to do those things that other people that maybe were employees could do. I almost forgot where we stopped contributing to our 401k and stuff oh, yeah. because we needed those extra few dollars because we weren't paying ourselves anything above and beyond that little yeah. salary we were paying ourselves. Yeah, because when I you forgot about that. Yeah. One of the biggest things is if you want to grow as a business and it's just you, if you want to grow, if you want to bring more people on, which is what we've done for about two to three years is we have brought people on and people on. Well, how do those people who come in and they're not bringing any business and how do they get paid? They get paid out of your paycheck. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. have to be willing to set money aside to pay for them to come in or you need to not take pay when they all come in. And that's exactly what we needed to do. Yeah, totally forgot. This This whole episode just kind of took me down memory lane about a bunch of things, you know, from the beginning of our journeys of like, how do you set up a business? How do you pay yourself? And then actually getting into the business and realizing you got to sacrifice. So now just kind of going back and realizing that maybe we are starting to hit our stride. 
And so before we wrap this episode up, I wanted to give you some best practices and just some kind of reminders um, that we talked about today. The biggest thing, and, and I would say I definitely made this mistake, is, you know, do not base the amount you take, you put in your, you write a check for yourself off of what's in your bank account, right? Like Megan said before, sure, you may have 50 in there, but how much are you going to pay in taxes? What should you be putting aside in for a savings account? Um, and then would, you know, for rainy days. So make sure if there's 50 in there that you don't take 50 because it's going to leave your bank account zero. And then, you know, what about your rainy day fund? Um, what about your taxes? Who's going to pay for that? And then I just hit on the point, but make sure you're setting aside a portion of taxes. I think that's one of the biggest mistakes. Um, and I, I'm going to speak from personal experience and from what we've seen. We see it a lot with clients who come to us that are self-employed. And, you know, they may have grossed a hundred K, but then I'm sure at the end of the day, they have no money to pay taxes. So their accountant figures out a way to write it all off because they don't have any money to pay taxes. But in the end, as Megan said, it's going to be hard for you to get a loan. Um, so make sure that you are paying taxes. I think that's one of the most important things. And I may be a little biased, but if you ever want to purchase a home, you can't say that you made a hundred, but you wrote a hundred off because then that means that you didn't take any money to the government. You did not make a hundred thousand dollars. You made a hundred and you spent a hundred on the business. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. Um, and then the biggest one, you know, especially for us and Megan and I are huge into collaboration and we believe in partnerships. We believe two heads are bigger than one is, you know, if you're going to bring in a partnership, make sure you clearly define how that pay is going to work. Make sure you know, that you're both equally striving towards that same big vision and that same goal and put it in writing, right? Like I definitely remember Megan and I, you know, we started heading towards that partnership journey. And first thing we did was contact an attorney, right? Like, Hey, we want to get this in writing. We want to make sure that we're 50, 50 partnerships. Um, and I could certainly understand where Megan was coming from. And I certainly had nothing to hide. You know, she was like, I want to see your financials. I want to see your bank statements, which was all okay. But back to the beginning of these are tough conversations to have sometimes, right? And and that's okay because you have to understand that it, you're not doing it at, to be malicious. You're not doing it out of bad intent. You're doing it to protect both of you, right? Or you're just doing it to protect yourself, whatever it may be, because it does get hairy down the road, right? Like money is just kind of a taboo topic. But when you have people around you who understand who, hey, this is just business that has nothing to do that I think you're going to do anything wrong or I'm going to do anything wrong. It's just, let's just make sure we have this clearly outlined. And yeah. I think that's about all I have. Megan, any other tips that, that you have for our listeners today? Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me, like you said, is you want to have the uncomfortable conversations before you get into business with someone. Mm -hmm. you, you need to, you have to, otherwise... That those are the big mistakes because then you're restarting over. And I had to do that. And yeah. I didn't want to restart over again. And I'm so grateful. And you got to treat it like a marriage if you have a business partner yeah. or people who are helping you grow. Like, how would you want to be treated in a relationship? Right. Um, because yes, let's say one person does more or less or business wise, but one person's more starting out. Like you also have to have empathy with it and just put things in writing. And then it's just like sports. It's just like school. You have to sacrifice if you want the rewards later. And that, and that is a hard, hard thing for all of us. We all want the pool. Instant I want to pull in my backyard. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. 
I've had a goal. I actually haven't shared, I haven't shared this on social media or anything. And I'm going to, I'll share it now. When my husband and I got married, I made, he bought, he came home one day. We were 24, 25 and he came home with this A5 Audi car that was stupid. And I made him sell it. (laughs) He was so sad. I think he kept it for 90 days. I made him sell the thing and he was fine. He understood. He understood we had other things we needed to do and we were building other, another business at the time. And I felt bad though. Cause it's like, I wanted to make him happy. And so I'm like, okay, I was 25. I'm like, or 26. And I said, when he turns 40, I'm going to buy him that car. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to buy him that car. And he turned 40 in 2018, the year that we went to that big bank we talked about and that I had a baby and didn't fit in with the leadership team there, the all-male leadership team. And we had to restart over. Our bank account was negative here at Keystone. And that was the, the week he turned 40. I couldn't have even fathomed buying him that car. It was actually very depressing for me. Um, I felt like I failed. I felt like Everything I'd been working towards for 13, 14 years was down the drain. It was going to take another 14 years to get there. And I bought him that car here two years later after restarting our business again this year, a white A5. So awesome. It was amazing. And I still have a hard time saying this because (laughs) I was raised not to kind of gloat, but it's not gloating. It's working so darn hard for something that you finally can do for someone else. Mm -hmm. And he literally was in shock. And he's like, I didn't think you really were ever going to do this. (laughs) And I love that for you. I'm so glad that you did that because I know you've been talking about that for a long time. And when that 40 came, you were a little bummed. But, you know, like I've always said, there was something on the bigger side, bigger end of things. And you got to accomplish that. And I remember you sending me that video. And yeah, yeah, that was amazing. So set a goal for yourself and then just work towards it and you'll get there. Might not be in the exact timing, but um, if you have any questions when it comes to how to pay yourself, some of the things we've talked about in the episode today, you can shoot us an email at hello at the You can comment on our uh, social media channels on Instagram, on Facebook. And uh, you know, if you enjoyed this episode, you know, give us some feedback. Please leave us a review. It's the biggest compliment. It helps us know uh, the topics that you want to hear. Uh, and if you leave a review, we will read it on one of the upcoming episodes. Um, tag us on social media with that review or share the episode and we will give you a shout out here on the next episode. Otherwise, we will see you guys next week. Bye, collaborators. Hey, collaborators, I just wanted to say I appreciate any and all of you out there who have joined Andre and I on this journey and sharing just the lessons and the people we've met along the way. And it would mean the world to us if you would hit that subscribe button, leave us a review and more than anything, getting some feedback from any of you that are starting a business, if you have a business, you have questions or needs or a specialty you want to share. You can reach out to us on our website at thecolablife.com and our Instagram handle as well, The Colab Life. You can also find us on Facebook or YouTube at The Colab. And you can email us at hello at thecolablife.com. Thanks again for joining us and stay tuned next week.